0: who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Diana Nicholas, welcome to Entre Architect Podcast.
1: Thanks. It's great to be back.
0: It's great to have you back. Uh, Diana Nicholas is president and CEO of Sam Architecture based in Boston, Massachusetts. With over 20 years of experience, Diana has practice architecture in both the United States and Italy with projects throughout the continental US and Europe. Her portfolio includes high-profile, large-scale institutional projects, including those in the higher education, healthcare, cultural arts, and K-12 education sectors. As an advocate for women's leadership and equitable practice, she has shared some strategies in numerous presentations and interviews, including Equity by Design uh, the AIA Women's Leadership Summit, and here at the Entree Architect podcast back at episode 196, so you can should go back to that and listen to that. Uh, Diana was a founding co-chair of the Massachusetts Building Congress uh, Women's Network, uh, the founding president of Boston Professional Women in Construction, and is currently serving as the secretary of the board for the Boston Society of Architecture, which is Boston's chapter of the American Institute of Architects. Um, Diana, it's great. Great to have you here. I'm, I'm glad you're back. I, I can't wait to hear uh, the update since we last spoke. It's been a long time since we last spoke, uh, and that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about what's going on over at SOM and and the changes and all of that. So, uh, welcome back.
1: Thanks. So, should I dive into what's going on at SOM? Yeah, well,
0: I, I just want to remind everybody that, that um, Diana shared her origin story back at episode 196. So you can go back and hear the whole story of, of where she was inspired to become an architect, how she became an architect, that story all the way up through launching SOM and how SOM works as a remote firm um, was built that way. It's continuing to work that way. Uh, today, I wanna have that same conversation. I wanna talk about that same topic, uh, your firm and your team and how things may or may not be different. Uh, as we emerge from the pandemic. Uh, so I have lots of questions. So let's let's start with how did the pandemic change the way you work, if, if at all? Um, you've been in business for seven plus years working with a remote flexible model. Um, I think lots of people are now familiar, very familiar with that model since the pandemic has sort of forced all of us into a model that's similar to that. Um, Maybe we can start with sort of reminding everybody how the firm is structured. Uh, and then, then, then we'll talk about maybe how the pandemic has changed it at all.
1: Sure. So um, uh, as you said, we will be seven years old next week. And since our founding, we've always operated on um, a model where everyone has the ability to work remotely. Um, although we've always had a brick and mortar office as well. Um, And everyone's had, we call radical flexibility, which means people can work really seven days a week, any hours that they want, as long as their clients are getting what they need and they communicate with everyone. So um, these days we tend to be uh, hovering around 25 people. And uh, shortly before the pandemic, we decided to leave our office uh, space in the seaport of, of Boston. And we took a space that was smaller because, you know, we realized not everyone needed to have a desk every day. When we have, you know, we always had people that came in maybe two days a week. So it just made sense for us to move. Uh, And lo and behold, a week after we moved in, the governor said to everyone, okay, you're home now. Um, (laughs) So we were really pleased that we had been slightly ahead of the curve on this concept of downsizing due to remote work. Um, That said, you know even though we had been doing this for at that point six years you know there were some changes with what was going on um and we have adapted in some other great ways and learned some lessons even even more than we had before so it has been fascinating to see the rest of the industry sort of forced to a similar model right but it's also been fascinating for me to see how people are now looking at what the future is going to look like in this in this industry
0: yeah, I, I think that, that you've been doing this for a long time um, and it was the way you started. It was intentionally built that way so you could have that radical flexibility and allow uh, all of your team, men and women, to have that flexibility to integrate their lives with the way they work. Um, and so it is interesting to see how the rest of the world is trying to catch up to that now because we've been forced into it. Um, and and. It'll be interesting to see how many remain there and see the benefits of it and continue that, which I think will happen. I think that's what's going to happen is that, that I think small firms were already on that trajectory. And I think large firms were afraid to do that because of the complexities of having to do that. But they were forced to do it in a week in April of yeah. 2020. Uh, <laughs> and now they've, they've built the systems past year, year and a half. Uh, and they see that it works. And so I think a lot of those firms will also, uh, choose to have this sort of hybrid model. Um, and I think their employees will demand it. What do you think in terms of that?
1: Definitely think that their employees will demand it. And, but I think also, um, employers, I think now we're also forced to sort of get to know their employees better. They know that they have, you know, a three-year-old and a seven-year-old and that they have this sort of schedule that they need to pay attention to. And, you know, at some we've, we've probably call, uh, crossed some HR lines by getting to know people and understanding their personal lives because we kind of blend it all together. So I think that that also creates um, sort of uh, more responsibility from the ownership of some of these larger firms or not, yeah, I mean, larger and smaller. But I think people recognize that they can have these employees who have other responsibilities and they can still do good work together. It's, you know, it's an adjustment and we're all still figuring it out. But, um, so I do think in addition to the demand, I think there's, there's this willingness based on what, uh, you know, firm leaders have learned.
0: Yeah. In the can we talk a little bit about tactics and how you actually do this? And successfully you have 25 people working for you have this flexibility to work either from home or in an office. Uh, how do you do that? How do you collaborate on design, right? And, and or, or and, mm-hmm. and how do you know that people are actually doing the things they're supposed to be doing?
1: Yeah, so I mean, we've gotten these questions for seven years. Um, <clears throat> you know, the, the sort of fundamentals of all of it really lie in trust and communication. But the way that we have always done it, so to speak, is that you know, from day one, everyone has a laptop, you know, like from day one in building the firm, we made sure we had a good server for B- VPN work and that people could run Revit on their laptops. And then at the same time in the office, they could have a second screen, you know, obviously they could print, but we really encouraged people in the past to come in on Mondays. And so we would sit with the whole team. We would go over, you know, all of the sort of project staffing so people could hear what was going on with the projects. Um, we talk about marketing and that sort of thing, and then we might have a lunch and learn. And certain project teams might have face to face meetings because you know they were all there. And then teams would also tend to sort of decide, like, hey, maybe we should all come back Wednesday and continue this discussion in person. So it so there was so Monday was very much a planning day. That also meant that uh, happy hour happened on Mondays because that was the day <laughs> people were in, and because we have. You know, people that had to go pick up from daycare, we started having happy hours at 3 p.m. on Mondays, which I highly recommend to anyone. It's been a really good thing for us. But A good um, way
0: to start off
1: your week. Yeah. So, so that's kind of, you know, that's just how we kind of get going every week on this model. But, um, you know, we always are asked, how do you collaborate on design? And for us, you know, we have, we were always using uh, GoToMeeting, which, you know, I think we've all evolved our different softwares. Um, And we've always used something like Slack. So everyone else is figuring out a lot of these basic tools. Um, For us though, at the time uh, that the pandemic hit, we had um, one of the larger ground up buildings in design um, that we've had since we started the company. And so we realized that it was a little, we, we weren't quite as good at collaborating with a larger team on a ground-up building remotely, so it forced us to sort of advance those skills. And we're still using all the same tools, but we understand better how to communicate things. You know, it might be the way that design is communicated uh, using Bluebeam more, or, or <clears throat> you know, we know that you can share images more effectively with uh, Slack. We didn't hadn't really got into that, gotten into that much. You know, the ability to draw on things in Zoom. Those were just all things. Again, everyone was learning that. Um, but we will. We've also, because we already had this radical flexibility, that was not a change in the pandemic. I would say, and we've we actually tracked what hours people worked pre-pandemic, what days were they in the office, and what hours did they work, even if they weren't in the office. Um, and then we did the same study with the COVID version. So. We added in the ability for people to sort of mark, you know, when they might have to do some homeschooling or take care of a child. And in both studies, the majority of people still stick to pretty much an eight to five schedule, but we do have people who work better at four in the morning and they'll work then. And then we have people that work until two in the morning. So um, we've also sort of expanded our, uh, we have a pretty international crowd in our office so um we've had somebody work we had somebody working from barcelona for a long time during the pandemic and she had done that prior but she was there for a more extended period and then um another one of our team members went to dubai to dubai to to visit her family and ended up staying for several months and both of those people adapted so well relative to the time change like you wouldn't have known that they were working that far so as I've talked to architects who are now looking at what the future of their firm is going to be, people have said to me, Oh, you know, I have somebody that wants to work in Pennsylvania. I'm like, You know, it's the same time zone. You're using the same tools you were in the pandemic. Just go for it. You know, yeah. you've, you've got this down. Um, <clears throat> but we don't have something that I think a lot of firms are looking at right now, which is like um, a structure for how hybrid works, you know, I think some firms are are looking for providing, you know, a schedule, these are the days that we want you to be in, or these are the hours that we want you to be in the office or at home. Um, and we have never done that and, and will not do it. I do think it's, it's more challenging with a larger firm. But again, if you kind of treat, you know, project teams on large projects as a small office, you can do the same thing. Everyone yeah. just kind of adapts to what that schedule looks like
0: yeah i think a, uh, a lot of leaders want to sort of adapt the old constraints that they had in an, in an office to this new model and it doesn't really lend itself to that you can't really force people to be sitting in their chair working at a certain time um and i guess you can but you know i don't see the purpose of, of that it doesn't really make sense and it's just sending a message that you don't trust your people um, and if you don't trust your people, you have bigger cultural problems. Um, so exactly uh, right. yeah. let's, let's talk a little bit about, <clears throat> you were talking about wor- you know, working with people all over the world. Another benefit to this model is that you can find the best people in the world literally and hire them because it doesn't matter where they are. Um, how about onboarding? I think that's happening a lot right now. People are sort of trying to adjust to this new model Um, and the industry, the entire profession is is booming right now in terms of workload. They're all looking for help. Um, This model actually opens up the opportunity to expand the number of people that you can speak to for that position, but how do you do it? How do you um, both hire somebody without ever really meeting them in person, uh, and onboard them to the culture and to the systems of everything that you've built at some.
1: That's been an interesting process for us as well. Um, so we interviewed someone, uh, literally the last day that, that we were in the office physically that all of us were. And we were, you know, once the pandemic hit, everyone just kind of stayed where they were, at least we did, we didn't, we were not going to hire anyone at that point. Cause we didn't know what's going to happen. Right. But then, um, About three months later, she finished her studies and we were ready to hire someone and we were able to bring her on. So she had been to our office once, but the rest of it was, you know, a fully remote onboarding. So she happens to live somewhere that one of our principals does. So, you know, we were able to get her the laptop, uh, just, you know, handing it off at the grocery store or whatever. (laughs) But, um, But it was clear to us after a few days that she hadn't really you know had the opportunity to learn about certain things that I think we did a lot better in person you know now we've had people who have started for a day or two and then they've you know become remote quickly but it was definitely a change in this instance because um we just hadn't had that that initial sort of introduction and that sort of thing you know we did a lot of um Go to meetings, Zooms, or whatever. You know, to show to show people things like, here's where the files are, here's how we, you know, here's how you report expenses. You can do your timesheet, all of that. Um, I think Slack has been a good tool for everyone, uh, and we use that a lot. And we use different channels for projects, and so uh, we encourage people to to ask a lot of questions about, you know, everything on Slack. Like we just interviewed someone today, and I said, "Are you comfortable asking questions on Slack?" Because it's just it's such an important thing. So, so in onboarding people, we really encourage that. Um, and then we hired somebody else later into the pandemic as well. And, uh, we still, I wouldn't say it was as effective as an in-person onboarding, but, um, you know, we have a group of people who are really willing to help each other. And, uh, during the pandemic, we also kind of started these, they're sort of like mentoring groups, I would say. So that each senior associate, talks with three or four people it's a group oh, great idea and that that has been yeah the senior associates came up with this idea it's a great plan and um that allows people to just ask all kinds of questions um we also set up the ability for people to basically at, like open up a zoom meeting but just keep on working as if you're all in the same room yep. you know and and i haven't participated in those but you know there's there's some good conversation in there about you know, how do I do this in Revit? Or, you know, what are you doing this weekend or whatever? Some of the water cooler stuff happens that way too.
0: Yeah, I think that idea of sort of live streaming while you're working, right? So, that, so Zoom is on and it's sort of over on the side and it's live and you can see other people working while you work, it's not really open to have a conversation but it's there that you can sort of virtually tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, I'm working on this and I don't really understand it. And it becomes that spontaneous replacement to that walking past somebody's drafting board and somebody grabbing you and pulling you over. It's not the same, but it's the virtual version of that. Um, do you have any uh, any architects in training in your firm? Interns, we used to call them. I'm not sure what they're called this week. Uh, NCARB keeps changing their title. Um, but do you have people in training who are going through AXP and, and having to do all of that? How do you do that remotely?
1: Several people. Um, I mean, we do it the same way we do everything. You know, it's, um, we do have these active discussions about, you know, what hours do you need to get? So we've offered people the chance to go out to construction sites. And and I should mention, we're, we're partially back and we have, you know, we have had the office open the entire time. My partner has gone in almost every day. So, um, so my point being though, that we so we have people on site. So we try to get, the, get the architects and training, uh, out there. And I think that they're doing really all the same things they always have. I guess that's a hard question for me to answer because we've always had this remote right. hybrid situation. And, um, but, but as I had mentioned before, we do have to make sure when we hire people that, that they can communicate well, especially questions because, you know, that's really the best way to learn. Uh,
0: yeah. I, I, I think it, it, remote practice really comes down to the tools you're using and the ability to properly communicate, right? Without Absolutely. those things, you can't build the systems that you need in order for this to work. Um, the other, I would say the third leg of that is the culture, is that you have to build that culture intentionally from the beginning uh, and then continuously maintain that, that culture, uh, which is really difficult remotely. Let's take a break to thank our sponsors for their support of this episode. Now, you've probably heard of Zaha Hadid Architects. They're one of the world's best known firms. And when it comes to innovation, they're big fans of pushing boundaries. The team at ZHA has started using Twinmotion, a simple real-time archivist tool that lets you instantly visualize ideas and clearly communicate them to stakeholders. ZHA designer Marco Marchetta says that, The benefits of using Twinmotion for the designers are the simplicity of the interface, the playfulness with which you can articulate your scenes and not having to worry about all the technical aspects that real time usually brings, like light maps and PBR workflows or other technical details. Marco also loved Twinmotion Cloud, which lets any member of the team access the project from their web browsers without a single download or installation. The project manager can access the model, review it, and immediately give you feedback anytime, from anywhere," says Marco. To download a free trial today, visit our exclusive URL, Twinmotion.link/entreearchitect. That's Twinmotion.link/entreearchitect to try Twinmotion for free. BIM can be important for your next project, but it's not the only thing you need for your next project. That's why it's important that 95% of manufacturers who offer free BIM files on RCAT also offer another type of data or information that your project may need. That means 95% of the products with BIM also have CAD files, are in a specification, in a patented spec wizard, or may have product information to help you make the right selection. So stop going to a site with just BIM and go to RCAT.com. To get everything you need for your next project for free and without registering. No cost, no credit card, no email, it's free. That's rcat.com, A R C A T.com. When building a business you're passionate about, it's easy to feel like there aren't enough hours in the day. And if you're doing all the invoicing and accounting on your own, you're probably spending time on work you don't love. FreshBooks is built for business owners like us. It's the all-in-one accounting software that saves entrepreneurs and freelancers up to 11 hours a week. That's 11 hours that you could spend nailing a client pitch, designing your next project, or building your business as an architect. From preparing, sending, and following up on invoices, to tracking and managing expenses, to processing online payments, FreshBooks automates and simplifies all the tough and annoying parts of running your own business so try fresh books for free for 30 days no credit card required go to entrearchitect.com freshbooks and enter entre architect in the how did you hear about us section and get more time back to build the business you love that's entrearchitect.com freshbooks please visit our platform sponsors today and thank them for supporting you the entre architect community Going back to our conversation about onboarding and bringing new people into the studio during the pandemic when you could not bring them into the physical office, um, that's probably part of what was missing there is that that person is now sitting at their own computer in the room that they're very familiar with, really no physical representation of that new culture at SOM. Um, So there has to be some sort of replacement of some intentional communication, some intentional tools, some intentional scheduled meetings, mentor groups that can that can replace that more uh you know uh, when you're in an office a lot of that culture is just absorbed uh in a remote situation that that has to be more intentional
1: right and i I think that um one of the things as an example we still have our monday meetings um, and they are remote and when we go through every project if we have a new team member the project manager or project architect on each of those explains what the project is about. Because I think if you start in a new office and you can walk around the office and look at what's on the board, so to speak, it's different than just seeing a spreadsheet with a list of project names. So we try to make sure that people understand like what's happening with the project, you know, who the client is, what phase we're in, all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, the tools, the tools. Uh, I think everyone, you know, that used to be such a big question, but everyone's figured that out. And I've, I've talked to other people about tools that we hadn't explored either. So it's been a good exchange for us to hear. Yeah. How do you collaborate?
0: Yeah. And, and the tools, um, before April, 2020, the tools were there, uh, Zoom was there. GoToMeeting was there. Slack was there, uh, which is why this model had already started for probably five years or so. Uh, it, had, it was gaining traction, um, but even during the pandemic, those tools evolved and improved and got better. Um, you had mentioned prior that, that, that Zoom now, you can draw right on the screen, so you can do a virtual whiteboard right in Zoom on a call. You can, you can share uh, and collaborate in Slack. Um, you can pull up a video conference in Slack while you're, while you're communicating on, you know, in text, you can say, oh, let's just jump on real quick. You can click a button and you're on a video call with them instantly. Um, these tools are all evolving in order for us allow, to allow us to practice this way. Um, what are some of the other tools? Are you still using GoToMeeting?
1: Um, I think our license just expired. And so we've got Teams and Zoom. Oh. Um, we're using so, Teams a lot.
0: I, I heard that a lot of Firms are using Teams because it collaborates or coordinates with all the other tools that you're using uh, with yep. Microsoft Word and, and the rest of Office. Um, but
1: talking about talking about yeah. Office, I will mention one of the tools that we've always used that we've adapted now is the Outlook cal- calendar because we have a shared calendar for the office. So that used to be where people could mark what their plan was that week for when they were going to be at home. Um, so now we use it in the reverse. If you're coming in. Um, you put that on the calendar and I think some people are also, um, uh, noting whether or not they're vaccinated just so others may have a comfort level with people oh, that's coming in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I'm wearing a mask or whatever, you know, it's, it's become this other way to communicate what your sort of, um, working conditions are like and how you feel you can interact with other people. Um. We also though are in this new building we're in, they're replacing the elevator, which is a six story walk up. So that's kind of discouraged people to come to come in at <laughs> the moment. But I do think we'll go back to that. I and mean, Massachusetts feels like it's opened up a lot. But I'm in talking to people that have kids younger than 12. They're kind of in this, you know, um, middle ground and they don't, they don't know if they should go out or not go out. And it's it. So we still don't have a lot of people coming in. But.
0: Yeah. So so you use Outlook for your calendar. Um, and it's very interesting how you talked about how you use that calendar that you not only um, uh, have your business calendar on that, your studio calendar on it, but you also have people uh, adding their own personal schedule so they so you as a as a team leader can understand when this person's available, when this person's not available. Is it actually an integrated calendar where you know that this person is going to be, you know offline and out of out of touch during this period of time for personal issues and they're going to be working during this personal time or or is there more um, of a framework that then you plug in those things
1: so i would say what you're describing we actually do with the slack status so if you're using slack and in in the field where you're going to type for someone it might say on vacation it might say um you know, doing dinner, bath and bedtime, and then I'll be back. And they have a picture, you know, they use like the baby icon. People have gotten very creative with all of that. So that's really how, you know, on a day-to-day basis when people are doing things and when a lot of people will list, I'm going to be back at whatever time they're coming back. Um, So the, the Outlook one though, is a little bit more formal, I would say, for days when you know you're actually going to come to the office at this point.
0: So it's more of a communication tool that i'm going to be working from home or i'm going to be working in the office yeah,
1: yeah. and if people don't do that it's okay too i mean yeah it's, you know. yeah
0: and that's part of the radical flexibility yeah <laughs> is it, it, it it's flexible it'll all work it's we'll flexible
1: make it, we'll make it, it work
0: as long as you're hitting your deadlines and everything needs to be done the way you want them to be done um what other tools are you using are so you're using um the microsoft suite office suite right so you're using mm-hmm. outlook and you know uh, Word and Excel and all the other pieces to that you're using teams. Uh, Slack is integrated into your into your uh, your overall stack. Are there any other tools that you're using that that are specifically related to running a remote team like that, or is that pretty much it?
1: That's pretty much it. I mean, we've uh, recently switched to Azure, which I know a lot of smaller firms use. Um, but that's less of a collaboration tool. Um
0: so, so what about yeah. managing projects? Are you what are you using f- to manage projects?
1: We don't have project management software. Um, so
0: just, we've
1: just, been just, using um like for instance, we've been using Team Gantt. Are you familiar with that yeah. tool? It's great if people don't know about it to make free Gantt charts. Um so we've been using that one for creating schedules. But uh we you know we have clients that have certain project management interface uh tools but we don't have anything just
0: yep. just using your basic word your your basic uh office tools that you don't you don't need any yep. uh, anything more than that super interesting is there anything else that people are asking you either before the pandemic or after the pandemic uh that that we could share answers to right now or do we sort of cover everything
1: um i think we've covered a good amount, I've, I've had a lot of people ask us, you know, how, how do you do hybrid? We don't know what to do. What's your policy? Can you send us your policy? And we don't have the policy. But it has been interesting for me to hear the things that people are, I guess, sort of struggling with. I mean, as you pointed out, there's the trust factor, right? Yeah. Um, uh, they're also trying to understand, like what is the magic number? How much time do people actually need to be in the office? um others are struggling with the idea of like oh we could hire the best people all over the world should we try that um so it's i don't i don't know that there's anything else uh have
0: that you people c- have asked me that
1: we haven't covered really
0: have you cuz your your daily schedule is flexible people can work at whatever time to do that they want do you have any flexibility in terms of of your weekly calendar in terms of days that you're working can people take Fridays off if they choose to and make that up elsewhere?
1: Completely. It's completely flexible. Um and we also have unlimited vacation. So like if somebody, let's say somebody works 38 hours and their target is 40, if they need to put in a little vacation time they can. But yeah, it's it's across 7 days. Uh again, you just communicate with your team. Um we do have a lot of parents of young children. So there's a group of them that kind of target friday as the day they take off and you know they might work two or three hours on fridays or they'll pick up on sunday and do some more work we see lots of different schedules and you know the more you work with people the more you're going to understand their sort of patterns we have um one team member or creative director she uh, she's very um, into horseback riding and she goes to the barn on Fridays and so everybody kind of knows on Friday mornings she's at the bar and you're probably not going to get in touch with her. And so, you know, there's also an understanding and like a mutual understanding that people do have these outside commitments. And so as a team, we all work to support each other in, in meeting those commitments. So if, you know, you can't make a meeting or you can't, uh, you know, finish a deliverable, people do step up and help one another. And that is, From we've learned from our team creates an environment that's actually completely non-competitive, because everybody's kind of working towards the same thing, and that's been an interesting byproduct that we had never, you know, imagined when we started. It's a great thing, and and, you know, I also give credit just to the people that we have that they're not, uh, they tend not to be overly competitive anyway. But uh, just there's just that sort of cultural um, understanding has been a key component. And and again, I credit the employees and, and the whole team with making that successful.
0: Yeah, and, and and you you used the word that I was thinking as you were talking about this, that that's culture, that that's something that you established as leaders, that this is the way this firm is going to work, that attracts a certain type of person. Um, you hire a certain person that you know is going to fit within that culture. Uh, and then the rest of it sort of, it seems like it happens automatically, but it's actually, very intentional because of the structure and the framework that you've, that you've put in, in place.
1: But that said, we've also had people join the firm and it just hasn't worked. For yeah. Them. That
0: was going to be my next question. Is, yes. are there examples of that, <laughs> that where where the, there's yeah. a culture clash that, that, that somebody's you're hired and they're like, well, I, this isn't going to work or, or the other way around that they love it, but yeah. <laughs> it's not going to work from your point of view.
1: So, um, a couple of different examples. We we were actively trying to hire someone who was pretty senior in the field and she just couldn't get her mind around the fact that people were not going to be in their seats. So she didn't come join the firm. Um, we've had other people who haven't really understand how radical flexibility works. Not many, but um, but in their minds, they're like, oh, this means I can, uh, you know, go to my yoga class at four o'clock every week or I can go to, you know, my kids uh, track meet you know, every Thursday at one. That's not how it works. You have to be flexible both ways. So if there's a client meeting during the track meet, you know, you have to decide, do you you want ownership of your work? Do you want to advance your career? Do you want to work directly with the clients? And so some people just don't, you know, they want that very specific schedule. They need that sort of regularity. Um, And so they left or we've had other people who might have been given um, an assignment and they just kind of disappear. And we don't know what they're doing, which is everyone's huge fear in this pandemic, right? Right. Yep. Um, and it's not that we've said, okay, this isn't working. They've tended to leave on their own. Um, I think that, you know, people, because there is this culture, people kind of see like, oh, this is you know i'm not willing to give up going to the track meets but other people are clearly doing that or whatever it is they've figured out that this is not a complete cultural fit yeah so
0: and i and i think as um the profession starts to evolve uh, there will be other firms that that will be built that way right that will be a, m- a little bit more structured but still hybrid right then there'll be this this sort of this range of different types of firms that are out there, and some will be radically flexible and some will be semi-flexible. And the people who want that semi-flexible opportunity will get it. And if they don't, they don't.
1: Absolutely. Um, I think that, I think this is why, you know, firms that have an actual policy, it's great. You know, that, that works for them as a firm. And that lets people know coming in, this is what is going to be expected if you're going to work, in a hybrid model with us um but when we interview people we spend quite a long time talking about how it actually works so that it's clear and then a lot of it they just get by absorption and seeing what other people do and the leaders do the same thing so you know um my partner and i work from the boat a lot um
0: that's, and that's the future of the world that we're living in. Is, that, is yes. that, It's this, this integration of our lives, you know, our personal lives and our business lives. They're starting to overlap more. And, and, uh, and in some, some cases, that's great. In some cases, it's not so great. It depends on how it's handled and how it's used. Um, but it's so exciting to see the opportunities that, that can be done. Right before there was technology to allow us to do this, there was a way that it had to be done today yeah. because there is a technology that many technologies that allow us to basically design the firm that we want to have right to have the the lifestyle and the culture that we want to have with no excuses this is what I want if you want to work three hours or three days a week you could build a firm that works three days a week yeah you're going, you're going to have to sacrifice other things to make that happen but today you can do that
1: right right absolutely um and I think the exciting thing is that you know we've in this brief period, watch the technology evolve in ways that helps us collaborate better. But it's going to be fascinating to see as the whole industry moves into hybrid, what other what other tools are going to evolve? You know, I mean we know things like augmented reality, those things are coming. You know, that's I think that's further out there than right now what we're what we're trying to do. But I think it's exciting. You yeah. Know? yeah. We needed absolutely. we needed a push.
0: What about growth? Do you, you, what's the plan for SOM? Are you planning to continue to grow or are you sort of found this sweet spot that you like around 25 people? Um, Are you planning to grow? And if you are going to plan to grow, how do you do that as you grow in order to not lose what you've built?
1: You mean how do we lose the, how do we not lose the cultural?
0: How do we not lose the culture and the systems that you built for a firm of 25? How do you grow it to 50 or 60 or 100 and still be able to Uh, have radically flexibility in your culture.
1: Right. Um, We do want to grow and we're working on that. Um, But I don't think we want to grow above, you know, 50 people. I think that's kind of the outer end. I think that, you know, because we have it from the top down and everyone that's there knows how to do it, you know, growing, growing the firm is not as challenging because, again, people are going to see how others are doing it and kind of absorb the expectations, um, but it is it, it is going to be a challenge in many ways. I think that uh, at this point, our growth is going to be hiring younger people because we've retained you know a lot of a lot of our stuff. and so those folks are advancing their careers, and then you're going to have younger people coming in. And I think you know this generation is sort of more open to all of this anyway. I mean, yeah, it's expected. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So I think that we, I don't think that we're going to have any huge challenges in that growth because our leadership structure will probably stay close to what it is now. Even, you know, you know, if I look at at our associates, senior associates uh, principals, you know, everybody kind of knows how to do it. And, it, you know, it'll be I think it's easy to transfer at this point. Yeah. I don't know, though. I mean, it's having founded it. I'm not the one that comes into the firm. But we right. just, from what we've observed um, with the team that we have.
0: Yeah. And I can imagine if you're going from 25 to 50, right? We're not going to 100 or 600, right? We're going to 25 to 50. Um, there'll be, it'll essentially be the same structure and the same framework, same culture, but it'll have to continue to be um, uh, very intentional and you'll be able to, and you'll have to see where those weaknesses are and build systems to accommodate those Those weaknesses that as you grow, right, you may have to build out more of these sort of mentor groups and all these other communication tools and things to continue the culture, which is even in physical Mm -hmm. offices. If you want a strong culture, it has to be intentional. And as you grow, that culture is weakened. So you have to continue to build new systems and new ways of communicating that culture.
1: Exactly. And the other aspect of our culture I haven't really touched on that I think is part of the glue that holds it all together is sort of the offsite stuff that we do. So, I mean, besides the Monday happy hours, but um, like we've had, I think we just had our third group bike ride, um, which is a great way to get people out. And, you know, we, we um, recently had onboarded an employee who lives in Rhode Island and that happens to be where we do these bike rides. And she came and ate lunch with us in the middle of her bike ride. And it was awesome because we hadn't really gotten to see her face to face. Well, at least only one person had. Um, But we also do things like uh, we have outside of COVID, we have like an annual pizza and bowling night. And then we also have a picnic at one of the principal's houses where we rent a bounce house because there are so many kids that come. Um, and those things are but those things are really important when you're yeah. not in the office together and you don't have everyone together. So we're looking forward to kind of getting back into those more. Um, and I know a you know a lot of people have done uh, the same things we have. you know, we had happy hours virtually with Trivia. and you know most recently we did one where we had slideshows of our hometown architecture and things like that. But I think getting back to that those face to face touch points is going to be a good cultural boost.
0: Yeah. And like you said, those those I'm glad we spoke about that because those events that you've described, which may sound like it's fun and it's like it's it's this bonus that we've built this firm and now we can go out and have this these fun opportunities. But in fact, they're they're critical. They're very important, especially for this model, because those are the times where you really get to know one another. And you become friends with one another, and you you understand their family situations, the good and the bad, their struggles and their and their strengths, um, which then goes back to the trust, right? In order to trust somebody, it's much easier to trust somebody when you know their history and their background and who they are and their character than it is to not know all of that stuff. It's so much easier. The trust just comes naturally at that point.
1: Absolutely, yeah, so no, it's it's fun.
0: So those, piece, those pieces are, are really a critical piece of the, of the puzzle. Uh, super interesting. Very, very – this is a great opportunity for this episode to sort of be uh, the place we send people, right? <laughs> when, how do we do this? Well, just go listen to this episode with Diana. Um, so thank you for sharing all of your, your, your secrets of how you're doing this successfully. So I appreciate you coming by uh, and doing that with me. Before we wrap up, I want to ask you the one question that I ask everybody here. Uh, what's one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow?
1: Uh, I mean, this is an answer you probably get a lot, but invest in your people. You know, how, and that's, how do you,
0: how do you do that in, in terms of what?
1: So you invest time, uh, teaching them, you invest, uh, money or other resources to make sure that they get the kind of training that they want, um, and you give them the opportunities, like take risks, let them, let them manage a project, see how it goes. You know, you can be right there with them, but see how it goes. And then you may have a new project manager on your hands. So we, we try to do that as much as we can. And I would encourage other people to do that. You don't have to check all the boxes with someone's uh, career history in order to do that.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned earlier that, that you have great retention at your firm. Um, and I'm sure that we talked a lot about culture, but, uh, but investing in your people is probably a big piece of that, that, that people feel cared for.
1: Yep. That's definitely the goal. Uh,
0: Diana Nicholas is her name. Samarch.com. It's S A A M. So two A's S A A M dash A R C H.com. We'll have a link to that on the show notes. Diana, thank you not only for coming on the show today, uh, but for all your all of your leadership. In the introduction, I mentioned all the different things that you're doing, all the leadership positions that you that you have. Uh, you're out there not only leading your firm, but you're leading the profession uh, and showing many of us the way that we should be moving uh, in in certain directions. And I appreciate you for taking the lead in the in the profession, uh, helping to make an impact, trying to steer the ship as we call it, and sort of get this thing moving in the direction it needs to move. People like you are why uh, the profession is moving in those directions. So thank you for that work. uh, And thank you for coming on here today at Entree Architect Podcast.
1: Thank you so much.
0: If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, and share a link to this episode with a friend. Links to all the resources we discussed today are available at the show notes for this episode found at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. And thank you to Arcat, FreshBooks and Twinmotion for their support of this podcast. Entre Architect is proud to be a partner with the largest, most engaged AEC multimedia network on the planet, Gable Media. We're curating thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows at gablemedia.com. That's g-a-b-l-media.com. And check out Entrez Architect Academy membership, ready to edit business resources, live monthly training for architects, business training that is, a supportive architect community. Yep, it's there. And Simple Systems, our new business system program developed for small firm entrepreneur architects just like you. It's in there for you at Entre Architect Academy. It's waiting for you right there at the membership. Come join me and hundreds of your entrepreneur architect friends. Visit entrearchitect.com slash join to enroll today. Be well, my friends, be healthy, happy, safe, and secure. Thank you for listening today. Love, learn, and share what you know.